This past year, uh, I began a, a scrap pile behind my barn. I kind of got started because my brother's a, a scrapper. He's one of those individuals who uh, buys scrap at auctions or or collects scrap, and then he turns it into the junkyard for cash. And so I decided I would see what kind of metal or steel I could accumulate. And so the pile began, and it, it, it's, it doesn't take long for it to uh, kind of have a life of its own, <laughs> I've discovered. Uh, old rims, uh, the frame of a trampoline, and old metal buckets, and and uh, old car parts uh, start collecting, and, and it's, it's amazing. You kind of, as you look at the pile, you kind of see your life in that debris. But spiritually, the same thing can happen to us. You see, it's one sin that happens and takes place, and you, you, you don't deal with it. And another takes place. Another grudge, uh, a broken relationship, and some unforgiveness. Uh, one regret after another starts taking place. Missed opportunities, more regrets. And slowly but surely, the locusts come. They start consuming our soul, our life. First the swarming locusts, and then the creeping locusts, and then the gnawing locust comes. And one by one, they devour and they strip and they drain you, and you're left with a barrenness, feeling hollow inside. A life that's nothing but a life of cynicism, just a cynical person. But somehow, God has never intended our legacy to be locusts. In fact, there's something about locusts we don't understand. Locusts are God's messengers that our life needs change. We need to repent and change course. I want to welcome you, each of you, to this service, to this part of the, our service, our worship. And uh, we greet you in the name of Christ as well. I'm sure as many of you uh, consider your life, the past uh, month, the past six months, the past year, maybe the past five years, uh, all of you have, might have some regrets. In fact, for some of you, as you look back, it might not be pleasant for you to do so. Because there are things that you wish you would have, would have done different. Uh, throughout the years of, uh, of uh, my marriage to my wife, I, I admit that uh, my wife's counsel certainly contains an element of wisdom. Um, I was probably eight years ago, I made a decision to, to buy a cycle, and it was against my wife's decision, or her, her wishes, I guess. And uh, I found one that was smaller, decided to buy it anyway. And uh, 
It wasn't long after I had it, uh, my brother-in-law stopped to buy, and I, I decided I needed to show it off. And uh, I went out on it and kind of jumped on it, and, and uh, I was a novice, didn't know a whole lot about cycles, I was still new at it. This thing was really cold-blooded, and uh, so you kind of had to really throttle it in order to get it to cough a little bit, and, and uh, as I was on it, it, uh, it didn't cough that time, and uh, <laughs> it was one of those Pat McManus moments you read in the outdoor life. <laughs> It, it kind of launched, and I throttled it even more, and uh, I was, uh, I was on, the, on, the, on the grass at the edge of the driveway, and this thing just totally took off and went out from underneath me. And uh, being a man to the very end, I still hung on, because I was worried more about scratching the cycle than I was about life and limb. And... Uh, Needless to say, I, I tore up my knee pretty good. In fact, there's a, a spot on my knee that's still numb because I did something to it. I saw this some nerves. But how much better it would have been if I would have listened to some of my wife's wisdom and caution. See, it's easy for you guys to sit and laugh at somebody else's failures and, and um, regrets. It's different when it's some of your own. For some of you to look back these last year, last five years, you've done, said or done things that you, you wish that you wouldn't have done it. They're things that you regret. And as you listen to this kind of message, there are feelings you experience. That feeling is called guilt. The real tragedy, however, is, 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 is knowing that something has happened, that you've done something you regret, and you've done nothing about it. And uh, you just keep going on with life, ignoring it, and the, the pile of trash just keeps getting bigger. The regrets just keep adding on. Well, this morning, I'm not going to let you continue. You see, there's only one way we get rid of the pile of regrets, and that is by dealing with the things that need our attention. By taking personal ownership and by following through the principles of repentance. I want to begin with Psalm 31. And Psalm 31 is, is written by David. It's a song that's written by David. And uh, David, it's a, it's a psalm of lament. He's, he's looking back at his life, looking back to... Some of the things he wished he would not have done. And he's now beginning to suffer the consequences of those things, those wrongs that have taken place. 
In verse 9, it says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief, my soul in my belly. Notice David's honesty, how he describes his feelings. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity. I want you to notice how David is taking ownership. It's my iniquity. And he says, my, my bones are consumed. For my life is spent with grief, my years with sighing, my strength faileth because of my iniquity, my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, especially my neighbors, and fear mine acquaintance, for they did see me, for they that for that that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind, I am like a broken vessel. And I hear the slander of many, fear was on every side. While they took counsel against me, they devised to take my life. Eugene Peterson puts it this way, I'm in deep, deep trouble again. I've cried my eyes out, and I feel hollow inside. My life leaks away, groan by groan. My years fade out in size. My troubles have worn me out. They've turned my bones to powder. To my enemies, I'm a monster. I'm ridiculed by my neighbors. My friends are horrified. They cross the street to avoid me. That describe any of you? You see, society's way of dealing with personal problems is just to blame someone else. Move on with life. Keep blaming others. That is never God's counsel. You see, wrong actions produce consequences. Offense heartache, inner deadness, and fear. And your life begins to leak out. You wear out. For these consequences to stop, God says stop and deal with your issues. With that being said, I'd like for you to see something written by the prophet Joel. Joel is one of, those, uh, minor, one of the minor prophets. We really don't know a whole lot about Joel. Uh, his father was Pithiel, Pithiel. And he lived in a time that Israel was divided. Uh, he lived in the southern kingdom of Judah. And... Uh, he was the one who would deliver the warnings to the people. But his warnings fell on deaf ears. The people did not hear uh, what, uh, what uh, Joel uh, was telling them, the warnings he was giving. And so the consequences have kicked in. 
You see, God longs to lead us by his voice, by the written word. But when we ignore God's warnings, God's pleas, and God's word, then God allows divine discipline to step in, and he allows consequences to begin to take place. His will is not to lead us by consequences. His, le- his will is to lead us by his voice. And uh, so Judah is experiencing Divine discipline of God. In fact, God is trying to get their attention in three different ways. Locusts, drought, and fire. Notice Joel 1.4. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten in. And that which the locust hath left hath a canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left the caterpillar hath the caterpillar eaten. Few of us can imagine locusts on this kind of a scale. But I remember watching a documentary at the public school I attended. And it is, is absolutely amazing it is literally the, the clouds, I mean, the skies turn black from these locusts, the swarms that come in, and they descend, and they swoop in, and they just literally strip everything. In fact, in that documentary, the small plane that was flying, there was something like a Cessna that was flying through it, they had the wipers going to try to keep the, uh, and it just sounded like rain, flying through rain, and they were trying to keep the windshield clear of the, of the mess, that the, the grasshoppers were making. You can imagine how it was. It was just a mess uh, as they flew through this. It was, but it was absolutely amazing, uh, the kind of scale. They literally covered every square inch of the ground. Now, the palmer worm and the canker worm and are all kinds of locusts. In fact, they are uh, the caterpillar. They are simply the larva of the locusts. So these, there's these various different kinds of locusts, and they, uh, the, new, uh, the New American Standard renders that what the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust, the larva, has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. It is literally uh, barren. After the locusts, We see in verse 10, the drought. It says, the field is wasted and the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up and the oil oil languisheth. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how, how ye, O ye wine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languished, and the pomegranate tree, and the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because the joys withered away from the sons of man. That drought is so severe that the trees die. All of you know it takes a considerable amount of drought for a tree to die, which brings us to the conditions that makes it very favorable for fire. 
Verse 19. O Lord, to thee I will cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. And the beasts of the city cry out also unto thee, for the rivers of the waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. If you ever want to see some uh, fires, just to go to YouTube, you can see some of those forest fires that take place uh, out west. It is it's absolutely amazing the kind of, of uh, heat that is generated, and how fast it can travel, uh, thousands of, of uh, acres, mile after mile, and hundreds of homes. Uh, it, just, it, just, it just wipes it out. The devastation is just unimaginable. But there is something that we should learn from all of this. Notice what it says in Joel 2.25. It says, the canker worm, the latter part of the verse, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the, and, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. In other words, the locusts were the divine agents of God carrying out divine discipline for those who continued in disobedience. The people had lived wrong, they had done wrong, and they stubbornly refused to repent. And the result was a devastation within spiritually and a devastation without. A life of regret. Webster defines remorse as a gnawing distress rising from a sense of guilt from past wrongs. It might be better stated, remorse is the gnawing distress from a sense of guilt from the past wrongs that have not been addressed, confessed, and corrected. You know, we've all missed the mark. We've all... We've all fallen at times, we've all sinned, uh, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but this is not what this is talking about. This is about sin that has never been addressed. Somebody who just keeps going on and on and on. We allow the locusts to feast into Rome. There are two ways that Judah failed. First, they failed to listen. Notice what it says in Joel 2. Hear this, ye old man, and give ear, all the inhabitants of the land. Hath this been your, in your days or even in the days of your fathers? God is asking them the questions. Have you ever, have, have you ever seen your nation in this condition? Listen to what God says and consider your past. Consider your life. And this, and this isn't the time where you sign up to uh, inspect someone else's life. Consider your own life. The reality is most of you already know areas of your own lives that need attention. 
It begins by listening to God and admitting it. Admitting those areas need attention. The second way Judah failed is they failed to submit. They failed to respond to God's warnings. When God puts his finger on, on your life and to those areas of your life, respond. Deal with your regrets. So, I mean, it's one of the hardest things for all of us to do is just to simply admit we're broken. Yet it's the very thing that God never rejects. God told David that a broken and contrite heart I will not despise. David, when he was broken and admitted it, God wasn't going to despise him. Now, in the midst of this, as you deal with some of the, your issues of your life, you need some hope. Some of you need some, you need some hope as, as you deal with hard things, and I want to give, it to you, give that to you. Joel 2.25, I want to give you the, the whole part of that, of that whole verse, and it says, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I send among you. That word restore in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word shalom. And it means to be made completely and whole. To be completely restored in your relationships and with God. God is saying, I will restore your relationship not only with him, but your relationships with others. You've allowed those, those, your, your relationships to be destroyed. The locusts have eaten away at your relationships. But when you respond to me, I will restore your relationship, not only with me, but with others. I think it helps by putting your name in that verse. I will restore you, Keith, the years the locusts have eaten. Put your own name in it. I think by now some of you are ready for some solutions. How do we get rid of some of those regrets that we we have in our life? Let me give you three this morning. The first is found in Joel 2.12. It says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even unto me with all your heart, and with, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your heart, and, and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of evil. The first step is to do something immediately without any excuses. Do something. Don't put it off. Don't rationalize away your issues. Webster's defined rationalization as finding a plausible untrue reasons for one's conduct. You know, it's, it's never easy to deal with some of the issues of our lives. It's, it's not an easy thing. Let's start now. Understand what David wrote. He wrote in Psalms 51, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. 
one of the things that David had to do was simply acknowledge, you know what, I'm, I'm where I'm at because of the choices I've made in life. You need to start admitting the wrong and seeking the forgiveness of others that have been hurt by you. Could be somebody you work with. Could be somebody at school. Could be your own home. Uh, could be your parents. But start today by admitting you're wrong. Uh, could be somebody you're married to, uh, somebody who's become more and more demanding, unreasonable, unforgiving, and selfish. Could be the one you're married to. Start by admitting you're wrong. You see, nothing is ever going to change until you are willing to admit you're wrong. Turn to God. Secondly, turn completely and without reservations. God clearly says in verse 12, Turn ye even unto me with all your heart. Notice the little word, all. Hold nothing back. Um. Notice he says in verse 13, rend your heart, not your garments. God's not interested in a show. He's, in, he's interested in your honesty and sincerity. No excuse, no blame, no hiding, no hidden areas. You see, if real repentance is going to take place, there can be no hidden areas. You see, it's not real repentance if you're still holding back. Rule repentance is when your life is an open book to God and to everyone else. It's amazing how many of us, uh, if you go to a doctor or to a surgeon, you wouldn't go to a surgeon who only does things partially. Uh, I'll just take out part of the cancer. Or I'll, only, I'll only deal with, uh, do uh, your surgeon, uh, the surgery on your organ partially. Why would we expect God to be anything less than that? Thorough. God says, turn to me with all your heart and with fasting and with mourning and with weeping and with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. The thing I would say to that, it doesn't need to be forced. When, you got, when you're real before God, emotions come along. It doesn't have to be faked. The third principle is this. It's found in, in 15 through 17. Blow thee the trumpet in Zion, sanctify, sanctify a fast, call in a solemn assembly. Gather the people and sanctify, sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders and gather the children, they that suck the breast, and let the bridegroom go forth in his chamber of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep before the porch and the altar and let them that say, 
Let them say, spare thy, spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine, thy heritage to reproach, that the heathen should roll, rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is thy God? There's a third principle here that you need to recognize, and that is repent openly before everyone. Repent openly before everyone. Our repentance needs to have such transparency there's no question in anybody's mind that you've really repented. Everyone knows that you've dealt with the issues of your life. I mean, notice that it says, they blow the trumpets in Zion. That's in Jerusalem. The whole city understands you're repented. There is transparency and there is accountability. We draw the line in the sand for all to see. If you've been paying attention, you've noticed I've said that this is never easy. I'm, I'm not promoting something that's easy for you to do. But consider this morning what your life would be like without regret. A bunch of regrets. If you've wronged someone, a personal admission of guilt is necessary, along with asking for forgiveness. And for some of you, for some it just might mean time to trust again. But God promises that He will restore you. That's God's promise. He promises to give back the years the locusts have taken and have eaten. As I close this morning, I would love each of you to think, have that kind of maturity where you think that those words were just for me, not for anyone else here. Shall we bow?